All right, grab your Bibles, everybody, including you guys out there. Uh, Colossians chapter number three, you know where we are at, where we stopped last week. Uh, I told you that we kind of got, we kind of got rushed at the end and we had to, we had to go through kind of quickly through the, through the last couple verses and there was more meat on the bones. Amen. And so, uh, I wanted to go back and cover that some more and go into a little more detail about living your life according to the peace of God. Uh, it should be our guiding light. It should be our our, our steering wheel. It should be, uh, you know, it shouldn't be Jesus take the wheel. It should, he should have done had it. Amen. Uh, uh, sometimes we, we, you've, you've heard the phrase or maybe you've seen the bumper sticker, uh, is Jesus your, your steering wheel or your spare tire? Is he just there when you're in trouble? Is he just there, uh, on the side till you need him? It shouldn't be that way. He should be in charge. Amen. And he's not the co-pilot. He is the pilot. Amen. Now, let's look in Colossians chapter number three in verse number 15. And uh, we're going to read just a couple verses. If you'll pardon me, I've been trying to uh, get some fluid out of my head. And, and somebody gave me some exercises. Hold your nose and, and, and you know, hold your nose, blow it. And, and, and the eustachian tubes ain't working. And I about passed out a while ago. I'm going to tell you. You got to be careful with them exercises, amen. And uh, now I feel like I'm I'm hearing in a barrel, you know. It's just, but anyway, y'all pray for me, and we're gonna we we got some really really good stuff tonight. Really good, practical, every day we can put right into practice. Uh, this is not just going to be a history lesson or a informational session. It's going to be something you can put to work right away. Uh, how many of y'all know we need God in the hour we're living in today? Amen. So let's jump right into Colossians chapter three and uh, in verse number 15, verse number 15. If you get there, say amen. amen. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Now let's do this. Uh, we like to do this in our micro churches. We like to read it a couple times, especially if there's just a couple verses and it kind of helps let it soak in. So let's read in concert together. Uh, these three verses real quick. Here we go. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for your, just your word. Thank you for the privilege of having your mind on paper. Thank you for the privilege of having a building to come into. 
Thank you for air conditioning. Thank you for padded pews. Thank you for hungry people that are here tonight to grow, to learn. They want to study. They want to hear your word and they want to develop and they want to be better today than they were yesterday. They want to be better tomorrow than they were today. Now, God, I pray that you'll give us what we stand in need of. I don't deserve you. I don't deserve your salvation. I don't deserve your, your touch. I don't deserve anything you have to offer or give to me, but I am definitely in need of it. And Lord, I pray that you'll fill me with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you'll touch me from on high. Lord, don't let me say anything I shouldn't. And don't let me forget anything I should. I pray your perfect will be done tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. You may be seated. Have you ever heard the phrase, this is where the rubber meets the road? That's kind of, that's kind of where we're at tonight. Uh, and, and I appreciate my new Bible. I got a new Bible today and the words are so big. Ray Charles can read them. And I want you to know it is awesome. And, and, and he knows who it is and he knows who gave it to me. And, and this is definitely going to be my preaching Bible from now on because I can see this. Amen. And so, uh, listen, there is, a, there is a right way and there is a wrong way to live life. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Have you ever heard somebody say, hey, just go with your heart? Yeah. Oh, that's a bad mistake. That's a bad mistake. According to the Bible, your heart will trick you. Your heart is deceitful. Don't go with your heart. Your heart will lead you into the wrong places and to do the wrong things. We should never be guided by our heart. and uh, Not necessarily, we, we, you know, I've heard people say this, let your conscience be your guide. That's not a good idea either. Because some of y'all's consciences ain't worth a dime. Are y'all with me? Some of y'all are okay with some things that I don't know. I don't think you ought to be okay with. So, so everybody's conscience is different. You know, we, we have uh, different opinions on things and different preferences on things and, 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 you know, different restrictions on things. I guess if you, if you could put that word there. Uh, so that's, that's not a good guide either. That's not a, that's not a, a good thing to go by either. But, but Paul told the Colossians here in this chapter what they needed to use to be their guide. What they needed to use to determine their decisions and to make up their minds with things. To be the, if you will, the determining factor in the things that they do and in the, the, the decisions that they make. And, and I tell you, I think every Christian should have something that they lean upon uh, that would be a the determining factor uh, in what they are doing or living or, or accomplishing the activity, the actions they take, the decisions they make, the places they go, everything should have a determining factor in whether you do it or you don't do it. And I need a witness. So what is that? What is that? What did Paul say? Look in verse number 15. Look in verse number 15. He talks about Christian character in, in the verses above it. He talks about things that you should take out of your life. And then he talks about things that you should have in your life, the characteristics that should be involved. And, and, and all of those things are wonderful. 
But then there comes a time when you just got to go outside and live. You got to go outside and do your thing. You got to go outside and live your life. You can't, you can't park it in here. You can't camp out in here. You got to go out there and live. And that's where the rubber meets the road. Your Christianity is not determined by, by necessarily by everything that happens in this building. Now, there are some people who think that's the case. <clears throat> And the level of their Christianity is about what happens in here. And when they walk out that door, they forget everything they heard because they wasn't paying attention to begin with. But that's not what it's supposed to be. What should be the determining factor that determines what we do and how we do it, the decisions we make? Verse number 15. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which also ye are called in one body. And be ye thankful. Let's read the first part to the comma. All right. And let the. Let's say it again. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Now, I I, I looked up the words there. uh, Rule the word rule. Uh, It means to govern, to arbitrate. It means to decide. Does that make sense? In other words, it is a deciding factor. It is what you use to govern your life, whether I'm going to do this or not, whether I'm going to go there or not, whether I'm going to allow this or not. You're going to let the peace of God determine whether you say yes or whether you say no. Does this make sense? Okay. Now, now let's look at peace. Let's, let's figure out, let's figure out what peace is. I don't think this is complicated. I think this is pretty easy, but let's go ahead and let's go ahead and look at the definition we have. Peace is quietness. It's rest, freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions. In other words, you have a calmness. There is a, there is a freedom from fear, from terror, from anger, from anxiety or the like. Quietness of mind. I like that one. I like that one. Quietness of mind. Tranquility. Calmness. Quiet of conscience. Now, what, what, what are you saying, preacher? Well, if you're determining whether you're going to do something and you're not, you're, you, 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 you're just not settled about it, then there's something wrong. Okay. If you can't be calm about it, if there is an uneasy feeling now, now, when you get saved, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes in. Are you, are, amen? You have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. That was not by accident. That was on purpose. Because God knew that you would need help living your life according to the scriptures. Because you're not going to be able to do it by yourself. You're going to need some assistance. You're going to need some backup. You're going to need some help to do what you need to do. And that's where that comes from. The peace of God comes from that. Also the conviction of God. It's what we call it. That uneasy feeling, that pain, that anxiety, that, 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 that conviction about, uh oh, maybe I'm not supposed to do this or that calmness, that, that tranquility, that, that, that peace of mind. Now I want to go into great detail tonight and, and say, okay, how do we practically do that? 
How do we live our life guided by the peace of God? All right, that's the whole point. Guided by the peace of God. We, we have that in the title. How do I live every day guided by the peace of God? I don't know about you, but I need peace in my life. We are living in a chaotic world. We are living in a chaotic society. We are living in chaotic times. And according to scripture, it's just going to get worse. Perilous times shall come. Amen. And so if there's anything a brother needs in this time and hour, it's some peace. Okay. So how do we live our life guided by the peace of God? Say it with me. Guided by the peace of God. Say it again. Number one, what's the first thing that needs to happen? The first word I want you to write down is the word salvation. 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 If you're going to be guided by the peace of God, you're going to have to get saved first. You're just going to have to get saved first. Playing church won't cut it. Going through the motions won't cut it. Uh, playing a game and a role and, and showing up. Listen, uh, it just will not cut it. Church attendance don't give you peace. Uh, 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 wearing the uniform doesn't give you peace. Hanging out with church people don't give you peace. It, it just don't work. Now, what, what is necessary? Salvation. Now, why is this? Why is this? Look at the first thing. Look at the first thing. First thing I want you to see is the lost sinner's situation. I want you to see the lost sinner's situation. And when you understand the situation that a lost sinner is in, you'll understand why he don't have peace. Okay? Look what it says. Isaiah 48, 22. Isaiah 48, 22. There is. Come on now. There is. Saith the Lord unto the. Okay, so, so wicked people, sinful people, lost people are going to have no, no peace. Look what it says in Proverbs 28, 1. The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Look what it, look what it says. The wicked flee when no man pursueth. Now, why would a person flee? You flee because you're scared. You flee because of fear. Terror, anger, anxiety, agitation, all those things that we've seen in the, in the word, the definition of peace. The wicked man don't have that. What does it mean to flee when no man pursueth? That means you ain't even nobody chasing you, but you run it. That means you're living with a guilty conscience. How many of y'all have been, how many of y'all have been, uh, uh, y- y'all ain't going to admit this. Y'all are not going to be honest. We're sitting in the house of God and you're going to lie in here. <clears throat> how many of y'all have been, been driving down the road and you was doing the speed limit and you saw that cop and you hit the brake anyway? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I was doing 10 miles an hour under the speed limit and I hit the brake. You know why? Because I'm not used to that. <laughs> Y'all with me? I'm, I'm fleeing when no man's pursuing. I'm hitting that brake and he ain't even got the radar on. Are y'all with me? That's the, that's the life. There's, that's the life of a sinner. 
A sinner has no peace. A lost person. And when I use the word sinner, understand I'm talking about a lost person. All right. Uh, now we, 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 we are forgiven sinners, but God doesn't call you sinners. He calls you saints. So let's just go ahead and use what God says. Amen. But when we use the term sinners, that's talking about lost people. There is no peace for the wicked. That's their situation. Remember, that's their situation. Look at Job 15, 20. Job 15, 20. All right. And Isaiah says there's going to be no peace for the wicked. Proverbs 28 says the wicked flee when no man pursue it. Job 15, 20. The wicked man travaileth with pain all his all his days. It's always going to be a struggle. It's always going to be a fight. It's always going to be a difficulty. Now, I will say this. That doesn't mean that there's in the Christian life that we're not going to have difficulty or we're not going to have problems. I'm not saying that. But there's going to be a grace to get through it. So so we're we're talking about guided by peace. What's the first step to being guided by peace? Salvation. Why? Because of a lost sinner situation. He, he has no peace. A lost man has no peace. Okay? He's going to flee when nobody's chasing him. B, because of the lost sinner state. Not only the lost sinner situation, but the lost sinner state. What kind of state is he in? Well, Romans chapter 5, Romans chapter 5 verse 10 says this is the state of a lost person. It says, for if when we were enemies, a lost man is not in neutral territory. Y'all with me? There's no, there's no Switzerland or Canada in the battle, in the war of good and evil. Jesus said, you're either for me. Or we're either on the Lord's side or we're on the devil's side. We're either, we're either fighting with God or we're fighting against God. You see, we are enemies to God when we are lost. That's why we need to be saved. Now watch this, watch this. This is, this is a huge, huge key right here. Verse, verse 25, Romans 25, 1. <clears throat> okay, a lost man, what kind of state is he in with God? He's God's, come on everybody, he is God's enemy, okay? Now, if you're an enemy, there's no peace, right? There's no peace, all right? Let's look at what Romans 5, 1 says. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have what? Peace with God. Peace with God. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, what does, if I'm an enemy to God, I, I, I want to have peace with God. I want to have peace with God. And the only time I can have peace with God or the only way I can have peace with God is to be saved. Because the peace with God comes through the Lord Jesus Christ at salvation. Are y'all with me? Now, now, now watch. Let's go back. Let's go back a minute. Let's go back a minute and review. What are we, what are we, what's this whole thing? Where did we start with this whole thing? What, what got us back into this chapter, the same verses that we ended up with last week? Because we wanted to know how to have the peace of God. Now, so what are we learning through this first point? 
You cannot have the peace of God without having peace with God. Now let's say that again. Let's say that again. You cannot have the peace of God without having peace with God. Now does this make sense now? Why we have to put salvation first. We have to put salvation first. You cannot have peace without God. You cannot have peace without salvation. You cannot have salvation without the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is the one that brings us into peace with God. Amen. So salvation. Salvation. We need to be saved. Born again. Child of God. Delivered. Uh, 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 listen. Redeemed. Say amen. And if you're not. If you're not, or listen, the rest of this is really not going to matter because you can't do any of the rest of this stuff without that one taking place. But I've got good news. If you're not saved, we can help you with that just as soon as I say amen. amen. And, if, and if you don't want to wait that long, just come on down here and we'll get somebody with you. Well, I, that's a little, that's kind of pushing it. Well, what if the rapture takes place before I shut up? I wouldn't wait. Amen. I'm a brother Josh. Can I say that? You mind if I do that? We were, we were coon hunting in the woods and we were talking about the tribulation period. He had asked me a question and you don't ask a Baptist preacher a question, especially one in, in out of the book of revelation without getting the whole sermon. And son, I started in Genesis and I did, or excuse me, I started in chapter one and I didn't end until he was done. Right. The white Jesus was coming on the white horse. And Josh looked at me and he said, preacher, he said, do you have to be in church to save somebody? I said, no, sir. He said, save me now. That was his exact words. And so this is how I feel about it. I wouldn't wait for nothing. I wouldn't wait for the invitation. I wouldn't wait for a prayer. If I wasn't saved right at this moment, I'd find a place in this altar and wait till somebody come and help me. And if you come, we'll help you. Say amen. Amen. So anyway, number two. Number two, what's number one? Salvation. Salvation. If we're going to be guided by the peace of God, we got to be saved. Salvation is number one. Number two, write this word down. Saturation. Saturation. And I put three little words out beside that. What I put that? Say it again. In the word. word. Saturation. Now, I don't, I don't think, I don't think I have to define what the word saturation means, do I? We're okay with that. Amen. Everybody knows what saturation means. Saturated. Completely, thoroughly through, right? Saturated. Now, here's, here's something I want you to see. Look at the next verse. Look at the next verse in Colossians uh, chapter 3. He said, let the peace of God rule in your heart in verse 15. Now, watch what he says in verse 16. Let the, let the word of Christ. Let the word of Christ dwell in you. What's that word? Richly, richly means uh, extravagantly, lavishly, a bunch of it. It means your cup runneth over. Are y'all with me? It means a bunch of it. Just, 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 just saturate, just saturate yourself in God's word. Uh, Dwell means on the inside. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. All right. Now. I want to show you, you say, well, what does that got to do with peace? I'm going to show you the connection. Okay. I'm going to show you the connection. 
One, you got to understand you cannot have the peace of God without getting saved. Number two, you cannot have the peace of God by neglecting the Bible. You can't do it. Why? Watch this. Look what it says. It says in verse, verse, uh, 2 Timothy three sixteen. what's the first two words? How much of it? All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction. Now here it is for instruction in righteousness. All right. So put this there. A, I want you to see the purpose. The purpose of his word. Why did he give it to you? Why did he give it to you? All scripture is given by inspiration of God. God gave you his word. God gave you his mind on paper. God gave you what he wanted you to know. I've I've seen the the acrostic Bible, B-I-B-L-E. You know, basic instructions before leaving earth. That's pretty good. Now, watch this. It says it's for doctrine, that's teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. You see, with the word of God, we can know God, we can know how to serve God, and we can know how to please God. Now, now let's break this down. Let's break this down, okay? The word of God is good for doctrine. That's what's right. Okay, say that with me. Doctrine is what's right. In other words, this Bible will tell you what's right. I don't care what the woke crowd says. I don't care. I don't care what any group says. I don't care what the media says. I don't. I sure don't care what no politician says. If this book says it, it's right. Period. Are y'all with me? So doctrine is what's... But then reproof. Reproof is what's wrong. You see, this Bible will not only show you what's right, it'll show you what's... How many of y'all know we need to open this book in Washington? Who are we kidding? We need to open it up in every one of our homes. Because see, this book will teach you what is right. It'll teach you what is And then look at the next one. For correction. For correction. See, it'll tell you what's right. And it'll tell you what's wrong. And it'll tell you how to get right. Whatever is wrong, it'll tell you how to fix it. Let me give you an illustration. You remember in in Revelation uh, chapter number 2? where he is, <clears throat> he is talking to the church of Ephesus. And he said, man, I, I, I have watched your labor and I've watched how you work and you're not put up with sin and you're doing this and you're doing that. I mean, just made them a good list of everything good they were doing. He said, but I have somewhat against thee. I have somewhat against thee. He said, you have left your first love. So he told them what was right. And then he told them what was and then he said this, he said, remember from where, remember from whence thou art fallen, repent and do thy first works or else I'll come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place unless thou repent. 
So he not only told them what was right, he told them what was wrong, then he told them how to get right. Do you know everybody that's wrong can read this Bible and get right? Everybody can take this Bible and find out what in their life is right, find out what in their, their life is wrong, and whatever is wrong, they can find out how to get it right. Well, what a book. Amen. Now, we got one more. Look, he says doctrine, that's what is. Oh, y'all slow. Come on now. Doctrine is what is. Reproof is what is. Correction is how to get what's wrong right, right? Now, (laughs) that was great. Instruction in righteousness is how to stay right. How to stay right. Listen, correction is how to get it right. Instruction in righteousness is how to keep it right. How to keep it right. It's all found in one book. Now, now, watch this. You're not going to know that stuff if you don't get in it. Oh, I want to please God. When's the last time you read your Bible? Because the only way you're going to know how to please God is in the book. And don't tell me you want to please God if you're not getting in the book. Come on. Well, preacher, so far you have not made the connection with righteousness and peace. Okay. The purpose, A, B, look at the product or the connection. Watch this. The product of saturating in the word. Psalms 8510. What was, what will saturating in the word do for you? Mercy. Oh, 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 look at me, look at me. Instruction in righteousness. In other words, it's teaching you how to live a righteous life. Correct? Instruction in. Well, why do I need to be righteous? Okay. 8510. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace. peace. See, you, did, you thought I'd run a rabbit. I ran it right to the hole. We're talking about peace, right? We're talking about having the peace of God and, and, and living our life in peace, being able to lay our head on our pillow and go right to sleep. Not hello. Righteousness and have kissed each other. Now you got to be close to kiss. Y'all with me? I I believe the writers trying to tell us they go hand in hand. Are y'all with me? Watch this, Isaiah 32, 17. The work of... Uh Uh-huh. The work of righteousness shall be... The effect of righteousness is what? Look out. Righteousness and... Can we say that the wicked has no peace because he has no righteousness? Because if you are living a righteous life, now I'm not talking about the righteousness that Christ gives us. You don't have to work for that. He just gives it to you. 
because you couldn't work enough to get it anyway. I'm talking about your everyday life, living, working, breathing, going to school, going to work, living according to the book. It produces peace. The effect of it is peace. Well, I don't know why you're so calm. Clean living. Clean living. I had no problem coming home from school with a good report card. Hello. Clean living. All right, now watch. We ain't done. Psalms 119, 165. What's that first word? Great. Great. Listen, anytime I think the word great, it's got to be big. A lot of it. Right? Massive. All right? Great what? Uh Uh-oh. That's what we're looking for, right? That's what we're wanting to have. Great peace have they which love thy law. By by the way, that's what you're holding in your hand right now. It's God's word, the law, the scriptures. I like the last part of that. I didn't underline it, but it's still good. And what? Nothing shall offend them. You ever see that person at church or at work or whatever, and they're constantly getting offended by something? They ain't been reading. It's what the Bible says. It's what the Bible says. They don't have no peace. They're agitated. They're agitated. And usually those people that's getting offended all the time is usually agitating everybody else. Boy, I must have I hit a nerve right there. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's some folks in here ain't been reading. <laughs> Jeremiah 15, 16. Thy words were found, and I did eat them. I mean, that's a metaphor. We all know that, right? It means he read them over and over and over. And thy word was unto me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. Now can we, can we take from this that in order to have peace, it's, there's a direct connection to his word. Because in order to have peace, we have to have righteousness. In order to know how to live righteously, we got to get it out of the book. And if we neglect the book, we're not going to know how to live righteously. And if we're not living righteously, we're going to flee when no man pursueth. Now, do you see how all this ties together? You see, the preacher is not just trying to get credit for y'all. There's no, there's no, you know, scoreboard up in heaven for the preacher who has the most people that reads their Bible on a Sunday. That, that doesn't even exist. And he's not doing it. Just, he's doing it for your own benefit. Amen. He's wanting you to have peace. He's wanting you to experience that ability to lay down and know everything's going to be all right. Hello. And by the way, by the way, it, this, remember, this book will tell you what's wrong. 
or what's right. It'll tell you what's wrong. It'll tell you how to fix fix it and get it right. It'll tell you how to keep it right. But more importantly, can you imagine? Can you imagine how quickly you'll be able to make decisions in your life when you know what's right and what's wrong? Do you know how much time you can save? Do you know how much heartache you can save all you single people? Because God will tell you who's wrong. You won't even have to worry about it. You won't even have to, you won't even have to go through a trial process. I can give you proof. I can give you proof. We can cut off a ton of people out of your life already. Don't even, don't even date them. Don't even let them get at your phone number. Get them, get out, get thee behind me, Satan. You know how to do that? Well, the Bible says don't be unequally yoked together. So that means you don't date a lost person. We've just, we've just narrowed down the field right there. What a blessing. All right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I was in Walmart. And uh, my wife was with me. And this lady came up to me. And, 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 and I'd already known the situation from the past. And, and she was just beaming, just happy, just happy. Oh, I found him. I found him. I found him. Oh, I'm so happy. And this is great. And, and we're gonna, I think we're going to get married. I, 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 just, I said, is he saved? And man, she threw her sucker in the dirt. All the color left her face. But I but but preacher, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach him, I'm gonna win him. It never happens. It never happens. It's always easier to pull somebody off a ladder than it is to try to pull them up it. Most most importantly, God said, Don't do it. And it wasn't just a just a few months later, terrible, just awful, mess. You know what? She was, not, she was not allowing the peace of God to govern her decisions. Because she totally neglected what God's word said. Now here's the thing. She might have felt good about it. And that tells me. She wasn't saved, most likely. If she felt good about it. If she was truly saved, then she went against the warning God put in her heart. And the warning God put in his word. Amen. All right. Ain't we having fun? Okay. So what's the first step? What's the first step to be, to be guided by peace? First step. Number one. Salvation. Number two, we got to saturate ourselves in his word. We got to read it. We got to study it. We got to learn it. We got to memorize it. We got to meditate on it. What does he say in Psalm one? He says, thy word, thy law, I have meditated. I have meditated. And meditate just means to think about it. Read it and think about it. Contemplate on it. Let it get on the inside of you. All right. So we have salvation, saturation, Subordination. Number three. Subordination. He said, where are you getting that word? 
I had to look for that one <clears throat> to kind of keep it in the flow, right? Subordination means subjection. It means the state of being under control or government. Now, what are we getting at right here? Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye, what's that word? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, now, watch this. A sacrifice, a sacrifice, if you know anything about the Old Testament, a sacrifice died. Okay? They would bring a lamb, they would bring a, a goat, they would bring a heifer, they would bring a calf, whatever it might be. That, that sacrifice would come and die. It would give up all its rights, it would submit, it would surrender, it would die. Okay? But he said... I want you to be what kind of sacrifice? A living sacrifice. So he wants you to stay physically alive, but completely surrendered. Dead to your desires, dead to your dreams, dead to your wants, dead to your wishes. Come present yourself to God and say, God, whatever you want for my life, wherever you want for my life, whoever you want for my life, I completely submit. I completely surrender. It's not my will, but thy will be done. That's what it means. And, and you know what? You know what? It's funny. It's funny because we, the, the, the American church, especially the modern American church, will look at somebody like that and call them radical. Boy, that's a radical Christian. And you know what Paul calls it? A reasonable one. That's how far away we are from what we're supposed to be. We will call somebody who is totally sold out to God, totally surrendered to God, doesn't matter where it is, doesn't matter what it is, God, whatever you want me to do and wherever you want me to do it, uh, Lord, hey, I'm in, tell me, I am your servant, here am I, send me. We'll call them a radical. But Paul says, this is your reasonable service. You know what he's saying by that? You're not going above and beyond the call of duty. You're just doing the reasonable thing. Wow. I mean, he did die for you. Now watch what he connects with this. Watch what he connects with this total surrender. Total surrender. Say it with me. It's kind of like it's kind of like the chicken and the pig for breakfast. The chicken donated, the pig gave it all. You know, ham and eggs, you get it? What's well, a rough crowd, Josh? It's a rough crowd. Some of y'all are giving a little donation. Hello. See, God wants it all. Totally submitted, totally surrendered. Every day of your life when you wake up, Lord, I submit to you. I surrender to you. I'm in subjection to you. 
to the Holy Spirit. Right? Amen. Now, watch this. Watch this. First, I'm going to go backwards. I'm going to give you B and then A. How about that? And then we'll talk about it. We have to be subjected to the Spirit. The Holy Spirit. We have to surrender, submit, be under subjection to the Holy Spirit so He can lead us, right? They that are led by the Spirit are the sons of God, right? But watch this. Watch this. You cannot be subject to the Spirit without A, being subject to the Scriptures. (laughs) Watch this. This is so good. Because see, the Spirit is going to lead you to be obedient to the Scriptures. Now watch. What do you mean be under subjection to the Scriptures? How can you be in subjection to the scriptures? Watch this. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow. And is a, what's that word? Discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know what that means? The word is reading your mind. The word is reading your mind. I, I, don't, I don't have a bug in all y'all's houses. I just come preach this book. I just come preach what's in this book. And it just goes to digging and cutting into your life. Watch this. Verse 13. Neither is there any creature that is not manifest in his sight but all things are naked and opened under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Now, let me, let me translate that. Okay. This Bible, this Bible has been compared to a mirror. It's been compared to a mirror. It's been called a mirror. We, we, we talked about this last week. We talked about looking into it and seeing Jesus, Right. And being conformed to that image from glory into glory. The more we look into it, the more we see him, the more we begin to look like him and think like him and act like him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. Well, see, this, 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 this mirror has an ability to show you what you really are. Don't y'all with me? Have y'all ever been in town and seen somebody and wondered if they own one? There's no way they could own a mirror and walk outside looking like that. You know why? Because a mirror is brutally honest. If pretty's in front of it, you're going to get pretty. If ugly's in front of it, you're going to get ugly. Hello. Y'all know what they say about beauty. It's skin deep. But ugly's to the bone. When beauty fades away, ugly hangs on. I had to lose some of y'all up. Y'all getting too tight on me tonight. Come on now. Say, preacher, what does that got to do with what we're talking about? Because when you read this book, you're going to learn some things about yourself that you don't like. And you're going to have a tendency to argue with God. 
And God's going to show you how you really are. God's going to show you some behaviors in your life that he is not pleased with. God's going to show you some attitudes in your life that you need to straighten out. God's going to show you some grudges that you need to forgive. And listen, you got to say, God, you're right. There's too many people that begin to read this book and they'll see something they don't like about themselves because it really shows them who they really are and they'll just go to the next chapter. Let's don't cover that part. That's not being submissive to the scriptures. Didn't the psalmist say, search me, O God, and know my heart. Examine me. See if there be any wicked way in me. And that's the way we need to go to our Bible. We need to open this Bible and say, whatever you show me, I'm going to believe you. Whatever you show me, I'm going to submit to it. If you tell me this needs fixing, I'm going to fix it. If you tell me this needs stopping, I'm going to stop it. If you tell me this needs starting, I'm going to start it. That's the only way. You have to submit to it. You have to say, God, you're right. I don't like it, but you're right. It don't feel good, but you're right. Amen. So I just don't know about that. Well, how many times you've been sitting in this, in this auditorium right here and something just chapped you like, mm-hmm. You just sold up the rest of the service like some of y'all are doing right now. That thing right there is where you need to submit. All right. We need to submit to this word. But not only the scriptures, but we need to submit to the what? What I say? Be the spirit. Look what it says. Now, now let's compare something. This is really cool. Go back, go back and look. Well, uh, let's see. Hold your Bible open. Hold your Bible open. And let's read. Let's read verse 16. Colossians 3.16. We we can hurry. We can make it. Colossians 3.16. And then we're going to read Ephesians 5, 18. And we'll show you how submitting to the word and submitting to the spirit go hand in hand. They're connected. All right. You ready? You ready? Colossians. Colossians. Colossians 3, 16. Watch this. Now keep in mind here for some words that sound similar. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom Teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So we're talking about letting the word of Christ be in there. Now watch what it says in Ephesians. Ephesians 5.18. And be not drunk with wine. Don't be under the influence or the control of wine. Wherein is excess, but be filled means being under the control, being under the influence of the spirit, speaking to yourself in Psalms and, and singing and making in your heart to the Lord, giving always for all things unto God and the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Don't that sound familiar? So can we say, can we say just like mercy and truth, righteousness and peace have kissed each other. There is a severe, significant connection 
between being filled with the word and being filled with the spirit. Watch this. Let's read. Let's read the little paragraph. He is giving a command for believers to live continually under the influence of the by letting the word come on by letting the word control them pursuing pure lives confessing all known sin dying to self surrendering to God's will and depending on his power in all things wow let's think about this a minute can we be in subjection to the Holy Spirit without being in subjection to the Holy Scriptures. Because see, it is the Holy Scriptures that the Holy Spirit will lead you to. And He will lead and guide your life according to the Scriptures. What? How many of y'all remember that, that armor chapter? Helmet of salvation, you know, breastplate of righteousness, right? Feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. And one offensive weapon, one offensive weapon, the sword of the, did you notice it didn't say sword of the saint? Did you catch that? It says it's the sword of the spirit. You see, it's my job to make sure I'm armed. How, how do I make sure I am armed? Now this is the sword, right? Thy word have I hid in my heart. Thy word have I hid in my heart. You see, when I memorize scripture and I'm, watch this, I'm abiding in his word and his word is abiding in me. I'm letting the word of Christ dwell in me richly. So when temptation comes or the devil comes, the Holy Spirit will whip out the word. Who do you think reminds you of that verse you memorize? Who do you think will bring up the verses to help you have victory in your life and give you strength to fight the battles and gives you the verse when you go to make a decision about the right thing or the right area or the right person? The Holy Spirit will give you a verse to back up the right direction. Is this starting to make sense? You cannot have the peace of God without knowing the scriptures and without being totally submitted and under subjection to the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. Lastly. Oh, yeah, we got it. We got it. This is going to be so good. Watch this. Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. What was number one? Let's, let's, come on now. Real quick. Real quick. What was number one? The only way we're going to be able to live in the, under the direction of the peace of God is what? Number one. Salvation. Number two. Salvation. Number three. Salvation. Number four. Supplication. Supplication. Watch what it says. Watch what it says. <clears throat> Philippians 4, 6. Philippians 4, 6. Be careful for... Now the word careful, the word careful means anxious. It means anxious, worried, fearful. Now that's the opposite of what we read in the definition of peace, right? Right? 
So he's saying, don't, don't, don't live in anxiousness. Don't live in worry. He said, I want you to live in peace. I want you to have peace about the situation. I want you to have peace about the decision. Watch what he says. Be careful for nothing but in everything. Every step, every move, every decision. Uh Uh-oh, y'all with me? But in everything, by prayer and with, let your be made known unto who? And watch what'll happen. And the, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Now the word keep means to guard. It means is really the word garrison. The peace of God will stay in guard around your mind. So let's let's be real practical about this. Let me give you two words and we'll hurry because I only got two minutes. Write these two things down. Under supplication, when it comes time to let anyway, write it down and I'll talk about it. A request peace. God give me peace about this situation. God, give me peace about this direction. Give me peace about this decision. God, give me peace about this step in my life. After you request peace, return praise. He said, make your request. And then he said, with thanksgiving. So get return praise. Say, God, I'm going to thank you for the peace I have. Y'all with me? Now watch this. Now don't, don't be folding stuff up because we ain't through. There's a last verse there, and we're going to get to it, okay? I promise you we're going to get to it. So let's make this real practical and apply this, all right? If I'm going to live my life, if I'm going to live my life guided and directed by the peace of God, first step I got to take, I have to be saved. I have to, I have to know that I'm saved. I have to come to Christ. I got to know that I'm saved. So salvation's first because I can't have the peace of God without having peace with God. Does that make sense? And then, and then I'm going to get in the word and I'm going to read. If it, 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 listen, I'm going to just keep reading and I'm going to read and I'm going to read and I'm going to read. I'm going to let it be a part of my everyday life. I'm going to let God's word saturate in my mind. And, and I, I was going to tell you this. I was going to tell you this. Whatever the situation is that you're looking at, find a verse that can back it up. And that's good. That's good. That is. That's good. But if you're, if you're steady in the word, if you're steady in the word, you're using it as a Garmin, not a spare tire. I don't want you to ignore the word until you got a decision to make. That's my point I'm trying to make. Because that, 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 that doesn't work good. That doesn't work good. Stay in the word. Read it. Have a daily devotional. Spend time in the word. Come and let it be taught to you. Come and let it be preached to you. Read it. Meditate on it. Think about it. Amen? Amen. Memorize it. Hide it in your heart. Hide it in your heart. Let it be a part of your life. The the, the word of God. Let it saturate yourself. Okay? So I'm going to spend time with my Bible. And then I'm going to submit to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to pray and I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit, fill me. Fill me. That means control me. I'm submitting to you, Holy Spirit. I want you to lead me. I want you to guide me. I want you to control my mouth. I want you to control my thoughts every day. You may have to ask three times a day. Start in the morning. Say, God, control me. 
Holy Spirit, fill me, lead me. I want to be under your influence. I want to, I want to be under your control. You may have to do it again at lunch because some fool might have messed you up around uh, uh, break time. You may have to get refilled because you got real leaky all of a sudden. Amen. Be totally submitted. And then ask him. Pray. Let your request. Let your request. See, this is not complicated. Be saved. Spend time in the word. Be completely submitted to the Holy Spirit. And ask him. We've, we've got this false idea that God's up in heaven like this. Nope, that's not it. Guess again. God wants you to know. God wants you to live in his will. Why do you think he said, why do you think, and I didn't even read it. I meant to read it and I forgot. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That was right after. That was right after, I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. That's that complete submission, right? Yeah. That complete submission so that you can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Amen. Now, how many of y'all know that if you're doing God's perfect will, you're going to have? Amen. Now, I know some of y'all want it more practical than that. Okay, I'm going to make it more practical. How do I know if she's the right one? How do I know if this is the right job? How do I know if this is the right church? How do I know if this is the right ministry? Okay, right? That's what we want, right? We want, it, we want specifics. Specifics. No problem. No problem. If you are saved, you are saturated in the word. You're spending time in the word. And you're submitted to the Holy Spirit. Are y'all with me? Yes. And you ask God to give you peace. Then do whatever blessed thing you want to do. Amen. Whatever you want to do. Go ahead and do it. What do you mean do whatever I want to do? I said do whatever you want to do. Watch this. Because, look at that last verse. See, that's why you don't fold it up before time. Look at the verse. Philippians 2.13. For it is God which worketh in you both to and to of his. <laughs> How many cooks we got in here? Cooks. Raise your hand. How many of y'all ever made cookies before? How many of y'all put demon-possessed peanuts in brownies? <clears throat> I'm going to just tell you right now, that is not the will of God. <clears throat> but if you happen to do that, you have the batter. And then you put the peanuts in. And then what do you do? No, you work it in. You work it in. You know what this verse says? That if you're saved, you're saturated in the word, you're submitted to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to lead you and guide you, and you ask him, he's going to put in you what he wants you to do. 
and gives you a desire to do it. So, when you're saved and you're saturated in the word and you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, then just do what you want to do. Because what you want to do will be whatever he worked in you. He'll, he'll work in you a desire to work with homeless people. You know why? You know why? I know he didn't work that in me. I don't have peace about it. Ask Travis. He took me down to Birmingham one time. No peace. He didn't work that in me. He worked that in Travis. Hello. It's the same principle. We're making this way too complicated. Well, I just don't have peace. Then you better not do it. If I'm going to take a step, I need to have quietness of mind. Quietness of mind. I'm telling you, there is no feeling like knowing you're doing God's will. And there's no feeling like when you know you ain't. And I know both. And I promise you, doing it is better. And all God's people say it.